When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's it's totally. a bubble, bubble gum battle turtle. Oh my god! It would like shirt. it's so yeah. It's just color explosion. I just mm. anyway. We're gonna do a podcast. Yeah, I think that's why we're here. Here we go. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Spectres, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm back again with my good buddy Sam and Seven Legend. Sam, how you doing, man? Doing well. I'm happy to be back once again, and uh, we are talking more about the Normandy today. Yes, yes, more Normandy. Episode 71, the Normandy SR2 in Mass Effect 3, because they keep changing it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a it's a living work in progress. Right. Um, yeah, we've gone over how Cerberus, Cerberus uh, changed the Normandy and its revival. Um but um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if I'd say the Alliance upgraded it like they did. Oh, so yeah, you were you were talking about how the Alliance got hold of it, and so in Mass Effect Three, they changed some things. But it's not you're saying that this isn't an upgrade. Yeah, I think that might be a strong term for it. I think retrofitted is certainly appropriate, and that's the term they use in the game. Uh, but let's back up a second. Um, you know, when Shepard at the end of Mass Effect 2, uh, Shepard defects from Cerberus. And then they turn themselves into the Alliance to stand trial for what they did, um, partly for what they did, to the Bahak system in the Mass Effect Arrival DLC. That's when they had to destroy that mass relay and uh, to delay the Reaper's arrival. As part of that, the Normandy SR2 was impounded when Shepard defects uh, and turns himself in. And the Alliance thought, hey, this this ship is, you know, proprietary technology and this is our tech. So they seized it and they made some adjustments to it. Yeah, sounds like something they would do. (laughs) And here's here's where it hits me right in the gut. Um, This ship was meant to give meant to be given to now Admiral David Anderson and it was meant to be his personal mobile headquarters. Oh, God. Are we going to do this again to Anderson? Yeah. Yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, man. Until the Reapers hit Earth, and he once again mm-hmm. relinquished command of the vessel to Commander Shepard. Yeah, because at the uh, start of the game, like you get the ship back. Right. And 
it's from Anderson. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's this dramatic uh, mm-hmm. Shepard and Anderson get picked up by the Normandy. Shepard yep. runs on the Normandy. Anderson stays Anderson's, behind. Yeah. Yeah. Shepard's like, what are you doing? And then Anderson's like, go on without me. And then Shepard's like, um, there's no, you know, I'm not leaving without you. We're, we're in this together, Anderson. And then there's this dramatic thing where Anderson looks at Shepard, throws his dog tags at him or yeah. her yeah. and says, consider yourself reinstated. Right. He, he knows he'll do more here than he will on the ship. So, right. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, they, they, they take uh, the Normandy, they blast off and, and save the galaxy. Um, but spoilers, whole, spoiler alert. Unless you didn't save the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a possibility. <laughs> like that could be a thing. That is a possibility. If you chose the refusal one. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so once again, another cool thing meant for Anderson and nope. <laughs> and, in, and instead it happens to Shepard. But this time it is different to be fair because it is by Anderson's undoing. He willfully chooses to stay on Earth and give up the high-tech, cool-ass spaceship so he can fight on the ground and lead the resistance where it's roughest. It makes sense. I mean, he needed Shepard to leave. He needed somebody to stay there to help, like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and Anderson's just that kind of guy. You know, take the brunt on his shoulders. Um, Mm -hmm. Also interesting to me that, you know, from a technical in-universe perspective, like, of course, they do this because it's the Normandy, but... Why would you give an admiral a frigate? Why would the why would the admiral's command be a frigate? Because it has the best technology on it, not because it's the right designation ship. I guess. It's because I mean, it is I like guess. the peak of of alliance technology. But they were willing to assign uh Anderson to that as a captain. That's you know true. I mean? That's true. But he also so, had prior a prior association with a similar ship. I mean, it's not exactly the same ship, but a similar ship. So I could, I could see, I, and maybe it's Anderson's choice. Maybe, maybe he was able to say, yeah, we just got back that proprietary technology. I should be manning this thing. Nobody else should be in charge of it. Because I can just imagine Anderson, like <laughs> rubbing his hands together. Like finally, oh, yeah. yes, Shepard, Shepard's out of the picture. I finally get this ship back. That's the part we don't see in the, in the intro because we're watching uh, Shepard walk through the buildings and stuff. But what we, before we see uh, Anderson, he's in the, he's in the other room, like looking out the window, like, all right, maiden voyage. Finally, it's time. And then the Reaper show up and he's like, God damn it. He's kicking his feet up on the on the desk and he's got like a cigar in his hand. He's like, ah, yes, finally. Finally, get back. My just desserts. Yeah. And then and for some reason, he's talking like an old movie. You're like, finally, getting my just desserts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good old Anderson. Finally getting what he deserves. It's good to be Anderson today. Uh, (laughs) well at least i have my books um no that's i don't know who's gonna get that reference that's a yeah another obscure reference um but yeah i can just imagine the the reaper landing outside the window and he's like son of a bitch (laughs) like oh not today (laughs) yeah yeah so so that's that's kind of just the story of how the uh normandy comes back into shepherd's uh, command, but while the Alliance does have possession of the ship, they make some changes. Again, keeping the nice parts of what Cerberus and or Shepard and the crew had added, 
Uh, they didn't have to rebuild the entire ship from the ground up, though, this time. Right. So, okay. So what do they do differently? Well, first, a paint job. <laughs> no more Cerberus yellow. Uh, no more black and yellow. Alliance blue all the way this time, baby. Mm. Uh, and then second, they removed all of the Cerberus bugs and spyware that they had put in there, naturally. Uh, and some crew members actually aren't supposed to be there. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not even their assigned uh, duties, you know? Uh, basically, Edie tells us that at the time when the Reapers attacked Earth, the Normandy was in dry dock. And so she was forced to hack the uh, docking clamps in order to let Joker fly away because they were literally in dry dock while the retrofit was taking place. The retrofit wasn't done. And there was work being done on the ship. And if we remember right, Edie had to pose as a VI, like a personal assistance. Uh uh, Yeah. To Joker. Um, and pretended to only take commands from Joker to hide as the VI uh, from Alliance uh, personnel. Because if they had thought, you know, this is an AI, then they wouldn't have allowed that to, to fly uh, mm. in more ways than one. Uh, and <laughs> Literally and also figuratively, yes. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so basically, when the Reapers hit, Edie hacks the docking clamps. That lets Joker fly the uh, Normandy out of there and go to Shepard's rescue. Uh, and they pick up James and Ashley or Caden, depending on who is alive at that point, right. uh, along the way. But due to the chaos of the situation, the lore says uh, some Alliance people on board shouldn't even be there, including Samantha Trainer, Steve Cortez, Copeland, Beth- Bethany Westmoreland, and Sarah Campbell, those two, the, the Alliance Marines in the uh, scanner room. Uh, among them... And among them, they basically inadvertently came along for the ride because they were just like on the ship at the time. So it was like Joker takes off and doesn't even let them know like, hey, ship's leaving. Time to get off. We're going. No time. No just time like, to wait. Oh, I guess you're part of the team now. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you're part of the ship's crew. What? <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Earth's about to get like, you don't want to stay. In, yeah. You're coming with us. <laughs> Guess who gets to meet Shepard today? Believe me, it'll be better here than staying. Can you imagine? You're just like an electrical engineer on the Normandy because you're like rewiring some things part right. of the retrofit. Right. And then all of a sudden the Reapers hit and they're like, guess what? You're part of Shepard's crew now. We're taking on the Reapers. Bye. Right. Right. Or like, yeah, I guess nobody oh, would be shit. like staying on the ship, but like maybe you're part of the night shift and you're taking a nap. But that's probably not happening in dry dock. But that would be no, funny. I- like you wake up and you're like, uh, why am I in space? <laughs> like, what's, what happened? I was just behind those crates over there getting 40 <laughs> winks. And then I, I woke up and now I'm roped into saving the galaxy and that stuff. Wait, and you're My saying neighborhood it, is apparently gone. We can't go back because 60% of the earth is destroyed. Like what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's, it's a very haphazard way that things happen. And basically, that's why I said, I don't know if I would say everything's an upgrade. Because, like, some of this, some of the crew, like, isn't even supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of amazing, like, that they got as many of the crew members as they did on there. And I'm, t- I'm referencing the unnamed crew members who are right. just, like, staffing the normal Not the companions, parts. like the, the ship workers. 
Yes, the ship yeah. workers. It's amazing they got as many people to do the jobs as they did, considering that it was just during retrofit. Uh, yeah, and I see <laughs> two girls, one ship here in, in chat says, I wasn't even supposed to be here today, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're good with a wrench. Yeah. You're on the engineering team now. What? <laughs> Okay, I guess. All right. Next thing I knew, I was like flying into some beam. They were talking about the crucible and we saved the galaxy. <laughs> Everybody's going a, crazy talking about this little kid that like this light up ghost kid. I don't know. It's like, dude, where's my Normandy? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a mid break to do and some reviews to read out. So we're going to switch over to the mid break, but don't go anywhere. What are we going to talk about when we get back? When we come back, we're going to get more into the nitty gritty about what they changed to the SR2. All right. Don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right. This is the middle of the show. We're going to read some new reviews, but real quick, just want to give a shout out to all the patrons again. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Big shout out to all 59 of you, including our Shepherd tier patrons, Kokashins, Captain Shanko, Kira, Lieutenant Tosino, Pipe Man, Rain, and Big Bills 63. So, so much, so much appreciation from us to you guys and all 59 of our patrons. And who knows, maybe we'll be at 60 by the time we uh, record our next show. That would be crazy. Uh, but thank you for being here. Uh, Patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. If you guys are interested in supporting the show, that's where you can go. And we've got some reviews to read. And then do I do my eyes deceive me? Is this a planet card? This is indeed a planet card. Planet right. cards are making a reappearance. All right. So we're going to do some, we'll read out two quick reviews and then we'll get to the planet card. This one came in from Becky M617 in the United States who wrote, Great podcast. Five stars. Until fall 2020, I had never played an RPG. What? That's amazing. But as soon as I started Mass Effect 1, I was hooked. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the world of RPGs. Thankfully, this podcast coincided with my introduction to the fandom. It definitely helped fill the void that was left after completing the trilogy for the first time and has since enhanced my second playthrough immensely. I love listening to Tom and Sam, and I appreciate all the thought and effort they put into each episode. Keep up the good work, and thank you. Well, thank you, Becky. We really appreciate that so much. Also, this one came in from Bobcat Bonks. B-O-N-C-Z. Bonks, I guess. 
from the United States who wrote best podcast five stars. I have listened. I've been listening to the Mass Effect lore cast for a long time now. And as a huge Mass Effect fan, I love every topic that is talked about in the Mass Effect franchise. It is the only video game franchise and trilogy I have always loved most when it comes to gaming and listening to this podcast keeps me excited and holds me over for the new Mass Effect yet to launch. I highly recommend this podcast if you are a big Mass Effect fan. I should go 100. (laughs) So thank you so much, Bobcat and Becky. We really appreciate it. And leaving a rating and and a review is extremely helpful. It really helps us keep ourselves up high on the rankings so that other people can find the show. And, uh, you know, it feeds the ego a little bit, makes us feel really nice and warm inside. So we really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for that. All right. We've got a planet card. What are we talking about this week? So this week, uh, I chose Gromar, the planet Gromar. Isn't that like a Muppet? (laughs) I was thinking Gromit. (laughs) Yeah. like (laughs) We'll go with his cheese. (laughs) I was thinking more like, um, like, I'm Gromar. I live in the trash can next to the other Sesame Street character that lives in his trash can. Oscar. Oscar. (laughs) I couldn't come up with his name fast enough. Oscar the Gromar. Gromar is Oscar's like neighbor who also lives in a trash can. There's Oscar the Grouch, and then there's Gromar the Ouch. Yes. <laughs> and, and he's the bruiser. He's the bruiser. I'm Gromar. I'm too big for a trash can, but I fit in here anyway. If it fits, I sits. <laughs> and he's like a cat Muppet. Better not he's tell like him big to fat cat. not sit in that box. Gromar. Um, that's me. <laughs> so, as funny as the name of the planet is, um, I chose this one because... It is located in the Voyager cluster, and this is the cluster where the SR2 was allegedly built in secret by Cerberus. Here's the description of the planet card. Gromar is a rocky terrestrial world, so already kind of going along along with our Sesame Street uh, theory there. <laughs> okay. Uh, a rocky terrestrial world with a trace atmosphere of Krypton and Xenon. The frozen surface is mainly composed of copper with deposits of calcium. Prior to the Alliance's expansion into the Voyager cluster, Gromar hosted half of a Turian interferometric telescope array. Easier said than done. Say that ten times first, yeah. (laughs) Connected with similar telescopes in the Attic and Beta cluster by an expensive chain of FTL comm buoys, the two functioned as a virtual, quote, lens, with an effective aperture equal to thousands of light years between them. The Turians used this to map the Terminus systems with great accuracy. What? So wait, this is part of a piece of technology that spans multiple planets in distance that works like a telescope? Yeah, so what I gathered here is that there's one half of the telescope. Like, think of like the top of the, mm-hmm. the lens. Of right. the telescope exists in one place and then like thousands of light years away the bottom half of the telescope exists and yeah so well it's aperture, talking aperture is, is that sideways or depth of the lens that width or depth because oh i'm picturing um, width like when you talk aperture you're talking like yes yes you're talking width with the width of the lens so maybe the distance between those two planets is actually like the width of the of the lens that creates the aperture of the lens so that when like if you triangulated a third viewing point through that lens somehow that would then magnify everything past it 
it's what I'm understanding is that it's it's an extremely extremely wide angle high definition lens. This is nuts. Which allowed them to map the entire terminus system, this entire region of the galaxy. That's crazy. Yeah, and F- FTL combuoys. This is kind of like that. We talked about FTL telescopes light, yeah. before, and I, like I have no idea how any of that stuff works. But uh, no, that's yeah. I think we're in the realm here of scientific words that actually mean magic. Yes. I think we've gone from like, oh, energy that's, you know, expelled when you take matter and antimatter and squish them together, which is pretty solid science. You know, I'm sure there's equations for that in our own science to now we're just using scientific jargon to say magic things. Right. Schematics, Bunsen burners. Right. (laughs) Then there's a Bunsen burner here also. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A mortar and pistol. (laughs) All right. Well, that's pretty freaking cool, though. Yeah, I thought it sounded cool, too. And and it, it's honestly one of the very few planets in the Voyager cluster with an interesting description. So if I'm being honest, that's why I chose it. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Well, and it has to do with the Normandy. So that makes sense, too. All right, Romar, thank you for the tour of your abode. Um, <laughs> also, thanks to everybody for supporting the show. We really appreciate you guys. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. Okay, so we were discussing what was different about the SR2 in Mass Effect 3. And it's more than just the people on board, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. Um, There are a lot of changes made to the internal uh you know layouts of the ship and not the least of which is the shuttle bay so the shuttle bay is is yet again changed and if you remember the armory and where they kept the mako in mass effect one the shuttle bay is now a lot more like that Hmm. and it's more of a return to this mass effect one armory where ash and garris and rex were and uh there's it's a lot more open in there it's a lot more open. It actually feels, <clears throat> excuse me, actually feels a lot more like a hangar. Uh, and it, it, I don't know, it just, to me, it, it illustrates how big the ship is. Uh, whereas in Mass Effect 1, that shuttle bay slash armory area kind of showed you how small that ship was. Yeah, yeah, it feels a lot smaller in comparison. Those who are interested in customization, of their armor, their weapons, things like that, are going to love the shuttle bay. I don't know how much time you spent here, but there's a weapon bench and an armor locker oh, dude. and a shopping terminal. Dude, playing like fashion effect, like I'm all about it. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> My wife doesn't understand it. She's like, why do you spend so much time customizing the way your character looks if you never see them? Like, I mean, in Mass Effect, you see them, but like you're seeing them from behind. It's like, it's not like... You know, you're too busy looking at the thing you're shooting. You're not really just admiring yourself the whole time, right? But, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, uh, like, of course you can, and, and a lot of people do, because it's an RPG and you want to look like a boss, or maybe you want to look like an idiot. I don't know. I've done both. <laughs> yes, I've Or done a boss both. idiot. Why not both? Uh, what was your terrible shepherd <laughs> name? <laughs> the, 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 he was... <laughs> It's inspired like by a, Shepherd. a cross by wall of waluigi and danny devito he was like Wallavito waluigi or something i don't remember but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he was terrible uh, looking he was really hard to play through 
as. Yeah. Jelani <laughs> says, you got to look fashionable when saving the universe. And yes. the first thought that came to mind was like, okay, Mass Effect, but cyberpunk fashion. Cyber effect. Cyber effect. Mass Effect. But ironically, cyberpunk had, like, if you were min-maxing your character in cyberpunk, you look like an idiot. You look like a Sesame Street character. <laughs> Speaking of Sesame Street characters. It's like lime green, uh, neon pink, and brown, all in the same outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two Girls One Ship says, I need to load up my old save and show us your shepherd. I, I did post some screenshots way back when. Um, I'm sure I could dig some of those up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it would be... Uh, it would be pretty awesome to revisit Re- Waluigi or Walavito. Walavito Shepherd, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned, there's this there's this shopping terminal, and I think this is honestly an underrated feature of the Normandy. Do you remember in Mass Effect Two and Mass Effect One how annoying it was to have to like actually, you know, if I'm being honest, uh, at the time a little part of me liked the whole oh i gotta travel to the stores and see when their inventory refreshes and sell all my goods and things like that yeah yeah but then it became a chore i think yeah Um, yeah no i i yes i was more interested in just making more room than buying anything yeah yeah yep same here and so they made that a lot simpler um they kind of, in a way, they brought back the requisitions officer from Mass Effect 1, which was a very uh, useful feature. As long as you bought the licenses from the different manufacturers, then you would get all of that. Like a small, reduced cross-section of inventory would mm-hmm. appear in the, in the requisitions officer's inventory for, for sale. Um, and they brought back that, but in a way better way. The shopping terminal in the shuttle bay offered the same stock as any other store in the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much more convenient. Um, but Jay Lani brings up a good question. So if you order something on the shopping terminal, does a small ship go to the Normandy or what? Like, do you get like a, a little UPS delivery to the Normandy? Like, how does that work? A little Amazon drone comes up, knocks on the hull. Right, right. Hello. Like, hey, got a delivery for you. Sign here. Thanks. I have no idea, to be honest. They, I don't, I don't know if they actually wrote that in yeah. to the lore. Yeah. That's and how question, do they though. even determine shipping costs? Like you could be, you could order something and then fly like halfway across the galaxy and then like they've got to come find you. Maybe they did. Maybe they just wrote it in and said, okay, you can buy it at this terminal, but it's only going to get delivered to your Normandy. Like once you dock at the Citadel. Mm hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know that it really mattered from a gameplay standpoint, yeah. other than you just got your stuff and it was easier. But yeah, yeah. Um, there's also Liara's shadow broker room. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> the yep. shadow broker room. Um, cool replacement, in my opinion, of Miranda's office. And uh, it's in the same spot, is, right? It's like that left side. I guess if you're looking at the front, right, the left yeah. side. Yeah, it's it is, um, and it's also the same, like literally the same space. That was that awful captain's quarters I talked about from the Mass Effect 1 ship. So it's a cool use of space. And it's also a way for Liara to bring her work along with her. <laughs> so there you go. she doesn't have to be Shadow Broker somewhere else. She's busy, uh, you know? With it, of course, comes the way for Shepard to get permanent small buffs to everything from power damage to health to cooldowns, etc. Uh, and they are all explained in lore-friendly ways relating to Liara's work as the Shadow Broker. Although I do wish there was something 
a similar catch-all terminal for the Spectre terminal, but I wish it was located in Shepard's own captain quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And um, also, I don't, I don't understand this part, but between Mass Effect 2 and 3, even at the end of Mass Effect 2, if you've collected all of the model ships... By the time you start Mass Effect 3, guess what? They're gone. Right. Yeah. It's one of those like, oh, we got to start over with this <laughs> or like upgrade systems. Like you're by the end of this game, you're a badass with a sniper rifle. And then you start the next game and you're like, I got to learn how again. to use guns again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're a scrub again. Um, I wonder what the lore explanation is. If there is one, I could just make one up for why the ships, the model ships are gone. Someone who was retrofitting the ship got greedy and was like, oh, cool model ships. Yeah, I'll just take these. And then it was Anderson. (laughs) Anderson's like, hmm, cool ships. And then he took them and put like put them in his house. Shepard it was won't Anderson mind running these. away from the ship with like this huge like <laughs> armful of model ships and then the Reapers attacked and he's like oh crap and he dropped them and they scattered everywhere right. then you gotta go and find right. them again. you look carefully around his office you'll find them yeah yep so um yeah so I see people <laughs> in chat here say the Normandy got destroyed uh well yes the Normandy SR1 did right uh, but right. that's we're talking two did. from Mass Effect 2 to 3, those model ships would still be there. Yeah. Um, There's also a much cooler conference room behind the scanner. Oh, well, actually, before I get into that, I did want to talk about the Spectre Terminal because there's a lot of interesting narrative things that can happen that is so easy to gloss over if you're not going back to the Citadel a lot. Um, And there's a lot of different things, like we mentioned with uh, the Joker joker's sister and father episode yeah there's a specter terminal thing that happens where you can grant basically you can grant that asari the ptsd inflicted soldier you can grant her the opportunity to have a gun or not right or you can reject it or ignore it but if you do that your your actions come with consequences and if you do that she ultimately does end up killing herself. Uh, and then the hospital staff uh, are reportedly feeling extremely guilty. That's one of the more tragic uh, things. But there are other things where, let's say, the refugees who are taking up space in the uh, one of the docking bays in the Citadel. You can divert resources to help them or not. There's a lot of op- RPG Mm-hmm. aspects you know mm-hmm. uh that come with the specter terminal and i love those rpg aspects even if they're just text-based you know just something that makes me feel like my actions matter yeah um and it to have a catch-all terminal for that in my quarters would be a lot more convenient than having to go back to the citadel all right. the time and i don't want to feel like i'm missing anything in the story well if they can do it with the, with the shop then why not do it with that it seems like a weird yeah. like why do one but not the other kind of thing yeah, it's like, are you telling me that the only way that any of the Spectres can access Spectre stuff is by going to that one room yeah, on the Citadel? That's super inconvenient. Maybe we all just need email addresses and a computer. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Instead of having to go to the fucking library. Right. Um, yeah, and all have to use the same same secure terminal. Um, but yeah. Can anyway. you imagine introspector email? Like, why did you reply all? <laughs> <laughs> damn it saren <laughs> damn it saren get off my channel 
Saren would be too old to understand all of the technological <laughs> advances. Yeah. We're having they're having a, a big Zoom meeting, and Saren's like, like his like his <laughs> things too close to his face. And they're like, Saren, put the ki- put the phone further from your face. Back up a little bit, Saren. Back up, Saren. How does this thing work? Am, am I on? Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, Nihilus leaves his uh, his mic unmuted. <laughs> right. At an inopportune time. Yeah. Uh, no, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking to your mom? Oh, I didn't realize no. I was on. I'm sorry. Ma, the meatloaf. I never know what she's doing. <laughs> uh, Ma, I'm playing games right now. <laughs> You're embarrassing you me in front everyone? of my friends. Hear that? Nihilus lives with his mom. <laughs> Spectre, big bad Spectre out yeah. here living with his mom. Hey, you gotta save money somehow. They don't pay us. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I know. The Spectres don't get paid. <laughs> All right. They get paid by the Alliance and their own respective governments. But right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. All right. So <laughs> back on track here. Yeah. Um, back on track. Basically, I was going to get into this. There's a much cooler conference room that was replaced with the the conference room where at the end of Mass Effect 2 you plot the you know the the suicide mission. That's where you choose people for the squads and things, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's also where you talk with the elusive man. Uh, it's that that like table lowers and there's this Q, QEC that raises up. Well, that's replaced and it's put on the side of the ship behind. They've implemented the scanner room. And that scanner room can be pretty annoying because every time you walk to the back of the ship where the war room is, you have to like wait and it scans you and, and it's a loading screen. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, but Again, man, elevator music annoying. right there. Well, it scans. Yeah. It's almost like they wanted us to hate the Alliance because those things only <laughs> happened in the Alliance, you know. Um, but of course, there's the elevator in, in the Cerberus one. But anyway, um, basically, the, the scanner thing and, and heads up pro tip to anyone that's playing on pc there's a mod that replaces that scanner room and you don't have to wait yeah so you can just run through it yeah there's also mods that make you run faster which yes is amazing when you're trying to get through some of those maps and it's like now go all the way back across this thing and talk to this other person yeah yeah um so highly suggest those mods but um but yeah um it makes sense why like given where that leads that scanner room leads it would make sense why the scanner room would have to be a heavily classified area where they check your biometrics to see if you are who you say you are and if you have security clearance to go back there because it leads to somewhere like i just mentioned called the war room uh and the war room is this really awesome uh, you know, like cylindrical room with a with a like a strategist's table in the center, where you can see in hollow maps different situations on a given battlefield or something. Yeah, and there's a terminal too, um, and it's this stereotypical le- like the air is heavy in the war room, right? <laughs> right? The lights are turned down. The glow of the screen is all that lights the room. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah grimly faced generals are deciding the future of you know a country or yeah something. somebody's pacing behind the person in the seat controlling the the monitor everyone's yeah. slightly on edge uh yeah stereotypical level of seriousness for military in times of crisis and things and it's very reminiscent of any depiction of the white house's famous situation room mm-hmm. that you may have seen uh before and uh some of the listeners might recall that very famous photo of obama and biden in the yeah. situation room when they when seal team six was leading the raid on osama bin laden's compound yeah man uh 
that's kind of the same feeling that we get in the war room. Um, and it's meant for high-level military strategists and generals to plan courses of action and what to do next, uh, you know, to chart a course along a battle, I think. And that is exactly what it gets used for <laughs> uh, when nice. Shepard takes the ship. <laughs> uh, and it's Who an knew? awesome military-focused and very clearly built by a defense entity um, room. And it also includes a quantum entanglement communicator at the back. My guess is they took the one that was used to for communicating with the elusive man, reprogrammed it, put it back there. Uh, and now you can talk to holographic versions of Anderson and Hackett. Awesome. Yeah. You're, you're two dads. Yeah. Double dad. Double dad. Um, but there's, so there's, one, there's one more. And this one's pretty sad, right? There is one more. And it's very sad. Um, this, the sad addition is the Memorial Wall, uh, which originally commemorated all those who died in the initial attack uh, that brought down the SR-1. But later, throughout the course of Mass Effect 3, we add names to that. And depending on your choices, it can be a lot of names. It can be only a few. Uh, but the most heavy addition, of course, is Shepard's own name under Anderson. Uh, however, if you picked the destroy ending and you had enough of a high enough readiness score the love interest who if you romance someone the love the, the love interest who would normally put your shepherd's name on the wall if you have a high enough destroy ending or high enough readiness readiness score and you pick the destroy ending then that love interest doesn't put your name on the wall they pause they look up with this hopeful gaze and then the next shot is the normandy taking off from that tropical planet where it crash landed. But Shepard's name does not get put on the wall. Mm. Hints? Could Maybe. be. Feels like a cruel hint if not if not elaborated on. You know? Right, right. Now, okay, so we've talked a lot about the Normandy SR2, but you did not mention yet its artificial intelligence. That seems like a key component. True. I only uh, addressed Edie very briefly. And um, that is because Edie deserves her own episode. Uh, and that is who we will be talking about in a couple weeks or actually probably in about a week because uh, we talked about keeping this episode for the July 4th uh, right. slot. Yeah, right. we've got some, we got some busy stuff coming up. So, yeah. So, stay tuned for that. Edie coming up soon. And... Uh, that's it for this episode. This has been a lot of fun going through all the different details of the Normandies and all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And Edie is so, uh, inextricably linked to the Normandy SR2 that I think it'll be a, a pretty good transition. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Well, chat, thank you for joining us for this episode. So happy to see you guys in the chat posting your comments and things. Um, thanks for being part of the community. Sam, you have something you want to share before we go? Yeah, of course. Um, like always, I'm streaming three times a week. I've got uh, Sassy Shepherd Saturdays on Saturday. Uh, I'm streaming my first Dragon Age playthrough on Thursdays and streaming The Witcher when I can, uh, when I have time before this show on Mondays. Uh, and if you'd like to catch any of those streams uh, and uh, come join some of the uh, random hilarious conversations we get into, you can follow me on Twitch at in 7 the legend and you can also find me on twitter at the same place 
Awesome. Awesome stuff. And all of my shows, all the different lore casts that I do, you can find them all at robotsradio.net. You can find lots of things there as well, because all the shows on the network are also available there. So if you're looking for more podcasts to listen to about video games and some other stuff, then go check that out. Um, also, if you are into creating your own podcast or want to learn more about that, then there are different ways that I can help you out. There's a book I wrote called Video Game Podcasting. Podcasting for video. I don't remember the name. It's been a while since I've looked at it. There's a link on the website. You can go check that out. And then if you are really, really interested in getting some help launching your show and making sure you do it the right way and, you know, all the questions you don't know to ask, then that's what the Rocket Club is for. And we love new creators. We love bringing people into the community and helping them launch and improve their shows. So lots of awesome stuff going on there. Um, I looked at the stats for some of the Rocket Club shows last week, and I posted this on Twitter. And I was just going down the uh, the analytics on it and like show after show, 20%, 40%, 60% above the previous month. Just like growing, growing, growing. So people are doing some amazing things. So even if you're just interested in good shows, go check, go check them out. But we'd love to have you join us as part of the Rocket Club. Uh, and that's it. That's what we got this week. We'll see you guys next time. Stay safe out there. See you guys later. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.